Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, how much do you know about the Holy Spirit? How much do you know about the Holy Spirit? About who He is and and about what He does? Think about that question in comparison to what you know about Jesus. How much do you know about the Holy Spirit compared to what you know about Jesus? Probably most, if not all of us, would have to say that we know a lot more about Jesus than we do about the Holy Spirit. Now, in one sense, that's actually a good thing. After all, Jesus said in John 16, verse 14, that the Holy Spirit's work is to glorify not himself, but Christ. And and Paul says to the Corinthians in the passage we we read in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, that he determined not to know anything among them save Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, the focus of the gospel and the focus of gospel preaching is to be on Jesus Christ and him crucified. So in that sense, we should know more about Jesus than about the Holy Spirit. The problem is not that we know less about the Holy Spirit than we do about Jesus. The problem is that we can so easily live as if the Holy Spirit doesn't even exist or at least doesn't matter really all that much. Maybe you're here and you're unconverted. You're uninterested in the gospel. You're here because you have to be, but you're not really, you don't care about, about this. Well, then you're living as if the Holy Spirit doesn't exist, as, as if he never inspired this book. Or maybe you're here and you're trusting in something in yourself for your salvation. Well, then you're living as if you don't need the Holy Spirit. Or maybe you're here and you think, well, it's impossible for me to be saved. Well, then you're living as if the Holy Spirit doesn't exist, or at least that he isn't willing, he isn't able to help you. If you're unconverted here this evening, you are living as if the Holy Spirit doesn't exist, or at least doesn't really matter all that much. But even those of us who are converted, who know the Lord Jesus Christ by faith, we can still so often live the same way. Oh yes, we confess that we believe in the Holy Spirit, but but why then do we pray and read our Bibles so little? Why is it that prayer meetings typically are the worst attended meetings in churches? Why do we tend to have so little hope for our society? Why do we give in to temptations to sin so quickly and easily? Why do we so easily rely on our own human wisdom and our worldly methods to attract and convert people? Why, when we believe in the Holy Spirit? Isn't it because so often, congregation, despite our confession, we can live even as Christians as if the Holy Spirit doesn't exist or that he doesn't matter all that much? But he does exist and he does matter Supremely so. You see, the Bible teaches, congregation, that the Holy Spirit is God's gift of Himself to His people for their everlasting salvation and comfort. That's essentially what Paul tells us in 
1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 12. I just want to read these verses again. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 12. He says there, But as it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things, and he's speaking of all the things in the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ, the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. What's Paul saying here, congregation, in the context of this whole chapter? He's saying that the Holy Spirit is God's gift of himself to his people for their everlasting salvation and comfort. That's what we hope to see as we look at this passage together with several other passages in connection with the Bible-based teaching of Lord's Day 20 of the Heidelberg Catechism on the Holy Spirit. So our theme with God's help is this, the Christian's gospel confession concerning the Holy Spirit. First, we'll see the great God he is. Secondly, the great gift he is. And thirdly, the great good he does. So first of all, consider the great God the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is God's gift of himself. That means he is God. That's the Christian's gospel confession. In the words of Lord's Day 20 of the Catechism, the believer confesses that the Holy Spirit is true and co-eternal God with the Father and the Son. Now the passage we read 1 Corinthians 2 doesn't say that in so many words. It doesn't even explicitly say the Spirit is God, but it's implied. It's implied in verses 10 and 11, where it says this, The Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. Paul here is showing us, congregation, something of the person of the Holy Spirit. He's showing something of the great God he is. The Holy Spirit searches all things, Paul says. He searches and he knows everything in detail, even the deep things of God. Now, children, if I were to ask you, well, who knows everything, what would you say? What, What does the Bible tell us? Well, the Bible tells us that God knows everything, right? He alone is all-knowing. 1 John 3, verse 20, God knows all things. But here in our passage, Paul is saying that the Spirit searches. He knows thoroughly, perfectly, completely, in every detail, all things, even the deep things of God. So what does that tell you? It tells you the Holy Spirit is not only a person, He is a divine person. He is God. And the Bible teaches that not just here, but in many other places too. Maybe, children, you've heard or you've read the account of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5. In that chapter we read that Ananias and Sapphira, they sold some property and acted as if they were giving all the money that they got from that sale, from that sale to the church. When they were really only giving part of it. 
But God, he, he, he let Peter know somehow. And so when Ananias came to Peter with the money, pretending that they were giving all of it, do you know what Peter said to Ananias? He said this, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land? And then a moment later, he said this, you have not lied unto men, but unto God. Now what does that tell you? about the Holy Spirit. It tells you that He is God. In congregation, that means that the Holy Spirit doesn't only exist. It, ma- it means that He matters, and He matters supremely because God matters supremely. The Holy Spirit is God. He's not a force like the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. And He's not a God. That's what the Mormons believe. Maybe some of you have some, have some Mormon friends or, or neighbors They believed, Mormons believed, that the Holy Spirit is a God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible makes clear, God's Word makes clear, that there is only one God. As the Lord Himself says in Isaiah 46, verse 9, I am God and there is none else. And that means, congregation, the Holy Spirit is not a God. He is the God, the one only true God. True and co-eternal God with the Father and the Son. He's, he's equal with the Father and the Son. And we see that in Matthew 28, verse 19. We read there that Jesus commanded his disciples to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, not names, but name, one name, signifying that God is one, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, the all-knowing, the everywhere-present, the eternal, the infinite, the unchangeable, the all-good, all-holy, all-wise God. Do you see with me from God's Word? The great God that the Holy Spirit is. He is the one who searches and knows all things, even the deep things of God Because he is God. Now maybe you're thinking, Pastor, we know this. Let's move on. But just hold on a minute. Do we know this? Do we really know it? I mean, not just in our heads, but but in our hearts. and, And do we know it enough? If you do, that will affect your attitude toward this book. Because the words in this book, the Bible tells us, it's not my claim, it says here, right here in this book, that the words of this book are are the words of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is also God. And that means it's the word not of man, but of God. The great, the one true and living God. Now does the way you treat, does the way you come to this book show that you know that? Do you, do we, do I treat these words with reverence? Do we come to them in humble submission? Do we come to them with a desire to understand them? Do we receive them, not just some of them, but all of them in faith as the very words of God? Or do you ignore them? Do you respond to them in unbelief? Do do you do I, do we try to improve on them? Do, do we try to make it a little easier to, 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 to accept so we, it's not quite so humbling to us? Oh, congregation, do we know 
who the Holy Spirit is. Young people, young adults, do you know who He is? Maybe some of you are doing things that you know are forbidden in this book. Do you know? Do you know who the author of this book is? He's the Holy Spirit and He's God. Take care how you respond to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is God. Oh, how we should fear Him, how we should worship Him, how we should submit to Him, yes, and how we should trust Him and His Word. You see, what gives you confidence, dear fellow believer, what gives you confidence in this Bible, in this Word of God, is knowing that the Holy Spirit is, who inspired this book, is the one true and living God. And we see that in Paul, don't we, in our, in our passage. He speaks in the beginning of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 2, He speaks of how he came to the Corinthians not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. He was with with them, he says, in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. But he still preached it. He preached the gospel. Why? Because he knew who the Holy Spirit is. He knew he's God. And with him, with his blessing, Paul knew that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Paul knew that the Holy Spirit is God. That's what gave gave him confidence as he preached. You know, it reminds me of one of my teachers at seminary. He told us once that what he would often do when he was asked to preach in a church... And he would come down the aisle and he would come and stand here as, as I do, silently, for a few moments. Maybe children, you wonder what that's all about. Well, it's, it's supposed to be a time of silent prayer. We're supposed to be praying, praying to God at that time, asking for his, his blessing. And, you know, my teacher told us that oftentimes that during this moment he'd be saying, really praying, just one thing silently over and over again. You know what it was? I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, why do you think he told us this? He wasn't telling us this so that, as a technique to work ourselves up into some sort of a spiritual high. No. He, he told us this to remind, he, to remind us where our confidence in preaching the Word of God lies. It's not in the preacher or the speaker. It's not in the sermon. It's not in the delivery or the presentation. It's in the Holy Spirit. That's what gives confidence to preach. That's what gives confidence to come up here and speak to you the Word of God because the Holy Spirit is God. And congregation, that's not just for preachers. No, knowing the Holy Spirit is God is what gives you confidence every All of us, confidence in the Word of God. Not just pastors and preachers, but every believer. It gives us confidence to believe, to believe, and to speak His Word in a hostile world even, to speak the Gospel to others, even when you feel afraid, even when you feel weak and in much fear and in trembling. Even when you think that humanly speaking, it won't change anything. That's what gives confidence Knowing the Holy Spirit is God, the great God, the true and co-eternal God with the Father and the Son. Oh, what a gospel confession concerning the Holy Spirit. But that's, that's not all of it. 
No, the Christian's gospel confession concerning the Holy Spirit is not just about the great God he is. It's also about the great gift he is. This, this is now our second point, the great gift the Holy Spirit is. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12, Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit, and that should be capital S there, the spirit which is of God. You see what he's saying? He's saying the Holy Spirit is God's gift of himself to his people. That's what the Christian confesses. He confesses, again, to use the words of Lord's Day 20, which are according to Scripture, not only that the Holy Spirit is God, but that he is also given to me. What a gift. What a gift. What a great gift the Holy Spirit is. For one thing, he's a gift from God. Paul says that we, speaking of Christians, have received the Spirit which is of God. Meaning the Spirit which comes from God. In 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 8, Paul says that it's God who has given us unto us His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a gift to God's people from God. And from God the Father and God the Son. Jesus told his disciples in John 14 that the Father would give and send them another comforter, the Holy Spirit. And, and, and we know the Father did because at Pentecost what happened, the Spirit came, right? And, but, but, he, but the Father didn't just send the Spirit by himself. No, Acts 2 verse 33 says that Jesus received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit and poured him out. He's, he's the gift of God the Father and God the Son. Now doesn't that make that, this gift congregation such a great gift? He's a gift from God. And he's a gift to us, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, from the great and glorious and holy God, the almighty creator and sustainer of all things. What a gift. On the one hand, that's a very sobering thing, isn't it? I mean, it makes what we are doing with the Holy Spirit all the more serious. He's a gift from God. How careful we should be then not to grieve or despise the Holy Spirit by our sin or by our careless attitude towards sin, by joking about sin. How careful we should be not to quench the Holy Spirit by neglecting or by criticizing or not heeding His word. What are you doing with God's gift to you, dear fellow believer? What am I doing? The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. It's a sobering thing, but it's, it's also a wonderful thing because it really shows us, doesn't it, how great God's love is to his people. The Father has not just given his Son. If you are a believer here this evening, he has not just given his Son to die for you. That's amazing in and of itself. But he didn't stop there. No, he with and through his Son has also given his Spirit to live in us. Oh, do you see how encouraging this is? Is it not so fortifying when you're tempted to question God's goodness, when you're tempted to question His kindness, when you're tempted to question His love to you, dear believer? God has given you His Spirit. He hasn't left you to yourself. He hasn't left you on your own. What an encouragement that is in the midst of temptations and the devil's assaults to know that you are not on your own. But God has loved you so much 
that he has given you his Holy Spirit, that you might be able to stand firm, that you may be able to be faithful to him. Congregation, the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is not irrelevant theology. It's the gospel we need in today's world. How thankful we should be to God then for his gift of the Holy Spirit to us. He's a gift from God. And what's more, he's a free gift. He's a gracious gift. God doesn't demand some sort of payment for the Holy Spirit. In fact, he hates the very idea of that. Maybe, children, you know the account of Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8. When Philip came to Samaria preaching the gospel, many of the people there believed and, and they were baptized. And we read about this Simon who was kind of a, a witch doctor, if you will. He also apparently believed and was baptized, but his, his faith wasn't real because when he saw, when the apostles came and he saw how through the laying on of their hands, they, the people there received the Holy Spirit. You know what Simon did? Do you know what Simon did? He tried to buy that power with money. And Peter said to him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Do you see the, the point Peter's making? It's this, that the, the Holy Spirit is a gracious, a free gift in and through, as we heard this morning also, the finished work of Jesus Christ. We don't buy the Holy Spirit. We, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, receive him. He's a gracious gift from God. And not just for a few privileged Christians. No congregation, the Holy Spirit is a gift to every believer. When Paul says in verse 12 that we have received, he's not just referring to himself and and the other apostles. He's speaking of all true believers, even of the Corinthian believers, who in chapter 3, if you keep reading, he rebukes quite sharply for not acting very spiritual. Christians, though they live by the Spirit, don't always walk according to the Spirit. It's a sad reality. It's a sad reality, congregation, And we ought to examine ourselves on that point. Are we walking according to the Spirit? If we're not, we should be repenting. If we're not repenting, it raises the question whether we really are true Christians at all. But but, but even though true Christians are not always walking according to the Spirit, as they should be, the truth remains that there's no such thing as a Christian, a true Christian, without the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, verse 9. Paul writes, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not a Christian. You do not belong to Christ because the Holy Spirit is a gift from God not to a select few, but to all his people, to all believers. And you see, that's, that's such, there's so much gospel in that. Because that means that even the youngest believer here has the Holy Spirit. Even the weakest believer here has the Holy Spirit. Even the newest Christian here has the Holy Spirit. 
What a comfort, what an encouragement that is. You see, no Christian, no one looking away from themselves to Jesus Christ for salvation ever needs to despair or ever needs to fear that God doesn't notice them, that he passes them by. He has noticed them. He has noticed you. He has not passed you by. If you are looking to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith, he has given you his Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you would not. You could not look away from yourself to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God's gift of himself to all his people. What a great gift he is. But maybe you say, well, how do I know God has given him to me? That brings us to our third point. We've been considering the, gospel, the Christian's gospel confession concerning the Holy Spirit. And we've seen the great God he is, the great gift he is, now thirdly, let's look at the great good he does. In congregation, I'm not going to pretend to be able to cover all the good that the Holy Spirit does in this, in this point. We could have many sermons just on the great good that the Holy Spirit does, just on his work. But the passage we read sums it up well. Again, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 2. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God. That what? That we might know. That we might experience the things that are freely given to us of God. It's not talking about head knowledge. It's talking about experiential knowledge, heart knowledge. We might know those things that are freely given to us of God. And our confession in Lord's Day 20 is is really saying the same thing. The Christian says, the Holy Spirit is given to me to make me by a true faith partaker of Christ and all his benefits. And then it adds on the basis of the scripture two more things, that he may comfort me and abide with me forever. The Holy Spirit is God's gift of himself to his people for their everlasting salvation and comfort. That, in a nutshell, is the Christian's gospel confession concerning the great good the Holy Spirit does. He makes us to know the things that are freely given to us of God. He makes me, by faith, a partaker of Christ and all his benefits. What a great good this is. Think of a lamp, children, for a moment. Think of a lamp in your bedroom or your living room. Where does that lamp get its light from? Where does the lamp get its light from, children? It gets its light, it gets its light from the outlet, the power from the outlet in the wall, right? That's the source of its power. But, but how does the lamp get that power? Well, it gets that power through the court. And you see, and I speak reverently here, but, but the Holy Spirit is kind of like that court. He connects us to Jesus Christ, who is the source of our salvation, just like a cord connects a lamp to the outlet in the wall. Apart from that cord, the lamp doesn't work. And the same is true for us. Apart from the Spirit of God, congregation, we cannot know, we cannot understand, we cannot receive Christ and the salvation that he has accomplished with all of its blessings. That's what verse 9 is really saying. As it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man 
the things which God has prepared for them that love him. It's saying, this verse is saying, we cannot know, we cannot experience, we cannot enjoy Christ and all his treasures in the gospel of ourselves. But this is the glorious good news as Paul goes on to say in verse, well, as, as Paul just to back up for a moment, Paul confirms this in verse 14. He says, the natural man receives not the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. If it was left to us, congregation, it would be hopeless. But this is the wonderful good news, the gospel that God gives his spirit so that we who are sinners, so that we who are dead in trespasses might receive, might know, might understand the things freely given to us by God. He gives his spirit to his people to regenerate them, to raise them by his sovereign grace and power from spiritual death to spiritual life. He gives a spirit to penetrate the darkness of their hearts with the, with the light of the gospel with, so that they see Christ and they see his glory and they see themselves and they see their sin and they turn, they become convicted of their sin and, 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 and their shame and they turn away from themselves and from all other helps to God in Christ alone in true repentance and faith. He gives the Spirit to draw them to himself and to unite them to Christ by faith. God gives his Spirit to me, the Christian confesses, to make me a partaker of Christ. And not just some, but all his benefits. He gives his Spirit that we might know, that we might experience through faith in Jesus Christ. God's forgiveness. God's declaring us righteous. God's adopting us into his family. God's making us more and more holy, sanctifying us, making us more devoted to Christ, more like Christ. And God also one day bringing us to glory. These are the things that God has freely given to his people. And it's his spirit who makes us to know them, who makes us to receive them, who makes us to experience them and enjoy them. All the great good the Holy Spirit does. Do you know Christ? Do you know these things freely given to us in Christ? Maybe not in all its fullness yet. Maybe just in a beginning way, in a small way. But do you experience the reality of these things in your own life? And do you long to experience them more? That's how you know if you have the Holy Spirit. It's not by whether you can speak in tongues or cast out demons. It's not by whether you have a dramatic conversion story to tell or not. It's not by whether you've been baptized or gone to church all your life. No, it's by whether you know the things that God freely gives in the gospel by faith in Jesus Christ. Because you cannot know those things unless God has given you his Holy Spirit. What good, what great good the Holy Spirit does. That's what the Christian confesses. He is given to us who are God's people not only to make us know the things that are freely given to us of God, not only to make us partakers of Christ and all his benefits, but also to comfort us and abide with us forever. 
That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do in John 14, verses 16 and 17. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He comforts us, doesn't he, in so many ways. By bringing us into fellowship so we experience that fellowship with God. By helping us in prayer. By assuring us of our salvation. By sustaining and and strengthening our faith in God through Christ and the promises of the gospel even in the, the greatest of trials. by empowering us to be his, the witnesses of Christ in the world, that we might be a means in God's hand to extend his kingdom and glory, by, by dwelling in our hearts and guiding us into all truth, by shedding God's love abroad in our hearts, by filling us with all joy and peace, in believing how much comfort the Holy Spirit gives us. And Christ has promised that the Holy Spirit will abide with his people forever. Yes, there are times. There are times when he withdraws our sense of his presence for different reasons. There are always good reasons, always to draw us more and more out to himself. But he will not leave us. He is always with us. The Holy Spirit is God's gift of himself to his people for their everlasting salvation and comfort. Do you see, beloved, how the Christian's confession concerning the Holy Spirit is such a gospel confession in light of the great God he is and the great gift he is and the great good he does. Oh, dear believer, how you and I should be so thankful to God for his Holy Spirit. And how diligent we should be too in prayer and in reading and meditating on God's word. The word that the Spirit has authored. And how confident we should be in believing and proclaiming the gospel as pastor, as office bearers, as parents, as teachers, as as Sunday school teachers, How confident we should be, even in this dark world, even in the midst of our own insufficiency and our own weaknesses and our own shortcomings. And how much more zealously we should live for God and stand firmly against sin and Satan, pursuing holiness, because we believe in the Holy Spirit. For he is God's gift of himself to his people for their everlasting salvation and comfort. If you are here today and you do not have this gift, God's gift of himself, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, if you do not know Jesus Christ, then what should you do? Should you just sit around and wait since God is sovereign? No. That's not what God tells you to do in his word. That's not what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. He commands, God's word says, He commands all men everywhere to repent, 
to turn away from sin and to turn to God, to believe the gospel, to believe in and trust in and come to his son, Jesus Christ. Yes, it's true you cannot do that without the Spirit's regenerating work, but God nowhere says that that relieves you of your responsibility to come to him. And he nowhere says you have to make sure you have the Spirit before you come to Christ. No, he says, repent, believe in Jesus Christ, come to him just as you are. And you shall be saved, and you shall receive the Holy Spirit to dwell in your heart. You shall receive him through Christ as God's gift of himself to you for your everlasting salvation and comfort. Do not turn away from this promise, beloved. Let no one turn away from this promise and this offer. Do not let it be said of you what was said of the Jews who refused to believe. You do always resist the Holy Spirit. Come in faith and humility. Cry out to God, Lord, be merciful to me. Save me. He will not turn you away. He will receive you. And he will give you his Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Great and glorious God, who can tell the dimensions of your love for us in Jesus Christ? your love for your people, that you give us the Holy Spirit to make us partaker of Christ and of all his benefits, to make us to know the things that are freely given to us by God, to comfort us and abide with us forever. O oh God, forgive our sins against the Holy Spirit. Help us, O oh Lord, to also through the messages we heard this day, to cherish, to treasure the Word of God more and more, to believe it and to rest upon it as the words of the Holy Spirit. Help us, O God, to be confident in our faith in this dark and hostile world because the Holy Spirit is God. He will give us the strength we need to stand. Lord, we cannot stand. We cannot believe apart from you. And so we acknowledge and adore you for your mercy to us, for your mercy to all of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ. And we pray, O oh God, that those who have, are here and have, do not have this gift and yet have heard the gospel call also this evening, that they would not resist the Holy Spirit, they would not have to come before God in that day and hear those words. That they would submit, put their trust in Jesus Christ, and they too might know that great gift and the great good the Holy Spirit does. Oh Lord, we pray, extend your kingdom in our midst and beyond for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.